Welcome to the News and Views podcast by the Fintech Times. Established in 2016, the Fintech Times is a global multimedia news outlet centered around the world's first leading fintech newspaper. We report on the latest and brightest ideas from the fintech world. Follow the conversation using hashtag TFC News and Views and follow us at the Fintech Times. Hi, I'm Polly and I'm a journalist at the Fintech Times. Hi, I'm Francis Bignall. I'm a junior journalist at the Fintech Times. Hi, my name is Tyler Pave and I'm a junior journalist here at the Fintech Times. Hey guys, how are you doing this week? Hey Polly, I'm very well, I'm very well. Busy week, but you know, we're preparing for cybersecurity next month and it's an exciting time to be at the Fintech Times. Ever the, ever the plug. Uh, Tyler, how are you doing? Yes, uh, it's been a very good week uh, this week. And as Francis said, we've been uh, gearing up for cybersecurity month in January and continuing our work with the CEO focus, which is really exciting. Uh, and yeah, it's been a very good week so far. Perfect. Glad you guys are having a excellent time. Um, so, Francis, what are you going to be talking about this week? This week, I am going to be discussing alternative payment methods, namely tap to mobile. Fantastic. And my article is kind of around the same sort of thing um, about alternative payment methods um, in online checkouts. Uh, but Tyler, I think we'll kick off with you this week. Why don't you uh, let us know what your article is about and then just dive right in. Thank you, Polly. So my article this week, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the recent findings of the face biometrics provider, IDR&D. And what they have done is essentially play a game of spot the spoof. Now, what they did in this test is they set a group of 17 humans up against uh, an AI machine. So the point of the the test was to uh, look at how face recognition technology translates into cybersecurity. Now, what we've seen is facial recognition technology is being really widely used in the industry at the moment. It's used, for example, if you have an iPhone, you might be familiar with the function of being able to lock the iPhone with your face Uh, in a similar sort of manner. You are able to process payments. Uh, with facial recognition technology. Further afield, if we look outside of the financial uh, services industry, we th- we see things like uh, Interpol uses facial recognition um, to 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 search for missing people or to or to search for people that they're looking for. So it is a very promising technology. But as with any good technology, it is not without its flaws. And I think this is what IDRND have tried to point out. So why are people spoofing faces? Well, people can spoof faces for a very many number of reasons. Maybe it's to establish a bank account in your name. Maybe it's to to break into your phone. Anything that uses facial recognition technology is at, uh, is is vulnerable here. Um, and people can use things like three D images, two D images, you know, printouts. There's a lot of different ways in in, in this in how this technology has, can be overcome. So going back to their test, what they did is they set up uh, an AI machine against a group of 17 humans, and they had to process 175,000 images. Now, these images, some of them were real faces, some of them were spoofs. And if we just look at the findings of, of, the, of the study, it took the AI machine on average 0.5 seconds so half a second 
to to process each image. Now, when it was processing the images, it had a 0% failure rate when selecting the spoof faces. So out of all of these images, you know, it's a lot of images to look at. They, they had a 0% failure rate. Now, on the other hand, when it was looking at real faces, only 1% of the time it thought that these real faces were spoofs. So when we look at the human results of the test, we see that uh, the, the human study misidentified 30% of the photos and also it ident- they identified 18% of genuine faces as spoofs. So, so really when you, when you compare the results, uh, computer against human, you know, you, you see that the, the AI is really, really handy at, at this task. Now, what's interesting about this is the report when I received it, it said that it took 0.5 seconds for the AI to process each image. Now, what's really interesting about this figure, and I did have to get my calculator out just to just to figure out how long this was in terms of a time frame, you know. If they're processing 175,000 images at a split-second decision rate each, it would have still taken the AI machine just over 24 hours to process all of the faces. Now, it is an impressive ability, I think you'll all agree. But, you know, I in my article, what I did is I referred to the recent study of Juniper Research, which said that the use of facial recognition technology is going to be exceeding 1.4 billion users by the year 2025. Now, in 2020, there were only a, uh, 671 million users of this technology. So, as Juniper have said in their in their study, you know, quite rightly so, the use of this technology is going to increase. But, you know, is is zero point five second processing rate is that fast enough? Well, some could argue, no. In fact, it's not fast enough. So I think it it really opens a question to developers of this technology. You know. How can we make it better? How can we make it faster? How can we make it more efficient? Because if anything, this study suggests that the technology can work and it can it can hamper cybersecurity attacks. But is it fast enough? I think is is sort of the next logical step in in this study. Um, but but all in all, I I think it's I think it's very promising. I think even though the technology is very smart, it's it's still not impenetrable. So I think it, it's something that developers will really have to start thinking about. I mean, you know, Polly, what, what are your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, I mean, facial recognition um, is one of those things that does come up quite a lot uh, within fintech when we talk about things like this. And you, we know, obviously, it is going to be the future, like you're saying, with your Juniper research study. Um, I just I the idea of like spoofs and deep fakes though that really like i don't know makes me feel really funny i think it's that uncanny valley um phenomenon but like they really creep me out um especially is it how good they are and that's like quite creepy to think that someone could like legitimately steal your face um and use a deep fake to access your stuff um so that does kind of creep me out but i think this is an area where there's still a lot more innovation to come. I think we're only just tipping the edge of facial recognition and other kind of like biometric kind of things. So I really think that 
give it another few years and this area will just be huge like absolutely huge oh no i mean you're you're absolutely right i mean you know it's it's terrifying to 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 look at the lengths that these foresters will go to 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 spoof your face you know when i was doing the research into the article and seeing exactly how this process was was working you know it was it was terrifying the the the, the lengths they would go to so i i think you know you're you're absolutely right but um you know in what you said with innovation we we are just when we haven't peaked yet and i don't think we're going to peak in this uh, in this technology for a while but i think that studies like these and you know if we pair it with the juniper research study you know it it shows a lot more room for innovation which i think is is slightly worrying when it's this sort of technology that is protecting particularly sensitive data like financial data for example but you know it, it is it is promising and it, it does open the dialogue for what how can we make this better so um yeah no I, I completely agree with you I mean Francis what are your thoughts I completely agree with what both of you have said and it was one of the points that I was going to raise if neither of you had addressed it and that's we are really only at the start of biometric technology and the uptake in facial recognition security is just crazy that by 2025 it's going to be such a high number and whilst some experts were saying it needs to be faster to be dealing with the large volume of users i have total faith that by 2025 the tech will be faster and it will be smoother and i'm sure it will be stronger to catch the spoofs because what we have to remember is that while technology companies are improving and making developments to stop criminals criminals are also making developments and working out how they can undo the positive work of cyber companies right and i've seen that we've discussed articles before looking at how criminals are collaborating now and sort of sharing how to break into and access data from different companies and the importance of collaboration between cyber companies is something that's been raised a lot. And I feel like this is definitely one area where we, well, the cyber companies need to stay like five steps ahead. And in sort of reference to what Polly was saying about the cre- like the creepiness levels, it's, it's something you always think of a film, right? You think of like a James Bond film, you think of the stereotypical villains, they have like these fake masks. But this is it's almost becoming a reality for people to break in and use data. And it is really off-putting. But I guess the reassuring thing is, is that the identification of the spoofs was so high. So the idea that we these companies are protecting us is at least some form of reassurance, despite this whole creepiness that is spoofs. Um, and the final thing I really wanted to say was... I just found it so interesting that you, you always hear about people losing their phones in the most bizarre ways. And now to get into your iPhone, it's always facial recognition technology. And I find it really impressive that spoofs aren't going to be able to get into phones and that at least you can take some solace in the fact that if you lose your phone, the likelihood of somebody being able to break into it, hopefully it should be quite low. No, I mean you're you're absolutely right, Francis, and I think um, you know your your thoughts and optimism in the data are, are rightly founded. You know, if we if we look at the data, there was it was very 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 low room for error. You know, it, it, when it was spotting the spoofs, it it it, fail, it didn't fail at all. It was only when 
it was determining real faces as spoofs. It, it had a 1% failure rate. So from where it is right now, I think it's it's very powerful and very promising. But you, as, as you two have reiterated in, in your comments, I think, you know, where, where will this go to next? And also, I think another question that we have to start asking ourselves was, as the technology evolves, how will cybercrime evolve? How will the tactics evolve? And um, yeah, it's just it's just really interesting thoughts to me. Um, Polly, what about your article? Yeah, so thank you, Tyler. My article was about payment methods, um, or more uh, succinctly, payment options at checkout. Um, so the COVID-19 pandemic saw the majority of online businesses, uh, which is 61%, uh, accelerated their plans to upgrade the checkout as a direct result of them seeing consumer payments preferences changing and customers asking for more payment options. This has come from new research from Specialized Payment Platform Paysafe as part of its Lost in Transaction report series. So 40% of respondents uh, saw cart abandonment levels as more than a minor issue and 41% have recorded an increase in fraudulent transactions since the start of the pandemic. And 52% of consumers want more payment options at checkout. So the checkout actually remains a hindrance for many, forcing them to reevaluate what they require from their payments partner from a business side of things. Um, and in fact, reliability has not overtaken cost and security as the most common priority for online businesses when searching for a payments partner. So the idea of the checkout and keeping everything super seamless, frictionless and just easy for the consumer in theory to attract more consumers and also keep your consumer loyalty is super important at the moment. So in a bid to upgrade the checkout and attract these consumers, offering alternative payment methods is becoming a hugely important thing to online businesses with digital wallets and e-cash gaining particular traction. 61% of online businesses are now offering digital wallets and 67% have seen an increase in the percentage of sales completed via this method in the last 12 months. Um, and elsewhere, 29% are already offering e-cash and over a third plan to do so in the next 12 months. Online businesses are also continuing to adopt cryptocurrencies, um, with 48% of all businesses looking to offer crypto in their checkout as soon as possible, with 59% believing this will help them expand their business into new countries. As online businesses continue to, to diversify their payment offerings, providing a streamlined, secure and reliable checkout is becoming paramount, like we said. Um, and a third of online businesses say they are currently an easy target for fraudsters um, and uncompetitive on fraud prevention. Although 59% believe having more payment methods available in the checkout is an effective strategy to reduce these fraudulent transactions, 31% don't feel like they have all the tools needed to minimise such activity in their checkout. So actually, alongside fraud prevention, online businesses are also looking to their payments partners to help improve cart abandonment rates. So respondents are seeing an increase in this over the past 12 months, primarily due to cards being declined or consumers not being able to pay with their preferred payment method. And, you know, it's this is a lot of data that I've just sort of thrown at you, but I feel like payments are just such a prime fintech topic and one that you will never stop hearing about in the fintech space, particularly when we're thinking about online payments, because obviously online shopping, though popular before, has just completely taken off in the last two years to the point where, you know, people, I would say, are very much primarily online shopping currently. And customer expectations have also changed alongside that. 
this like amazing digital transformation that we've seen has really changed on a consumer side as well and so customer demands are just almost completely different as they were before and it's got to the point where if those demands aren't met your customers will go elsewhere and I think that's something that online businesses and just businesses in general have really noticed in the past year or so you know so customers you know we're all very busy we're all very impatient people we like things to be easy and we like doing things the way we want to do them so if you go to a checkout and they don't have the way you want to pay that that's all right automatically a black mark if it takes too long that's a black mark and then suddenly you're just losing your customer loyalty and having these unsecure unfrictionless that's a really terrible word, uh, checkout experiences will start to kill business sales, especially when it comes to these alternative payment methods, because so many people have uptaken on these payment methods over the last year. I mean, I myself pay almost exclusively by mobile payment now. I very rarely get my card out for anything. It's just so handy that just to beep your phone um, against the POS system and be done with it. Um, so how about you guys? What do you think about sort of alternative payment methods, specifically looking at the online checkout thing how what what are your thoughts what do you guys use i'd be very interested to know francis uh, in terms of what i use i'm I'm very traditional with it um like i said last week I, i'm not ever using paypal and i always seem to just use this bog standard visa debit card payment most of the time although saying that i have recently started using my crypto.com card to get crypto rewards and that's kind of one thing that i wanted to to the sort of talk about because as you mentioned sort of loads of businesses are starting to look to have some form of crypto payment option and i think it's great that companies are looking to be more inclusive shall we say and sort of offer more options because as you said customer retention it, it is impossible any sort of little hiccup will make a customer look elsewhere and that's just losing business and offering sort of an option to pay by crypto is definitely the way forward but i wanted to sort of bring in sort of a different viewpoint and that is as we found out last week in the yonder article that i discussed the older generations and over 65s have haven't actually used crypto as a form of payment they've used voice type payments um and contactless but crypto was one that zero percent had said they had used and it's not to say that they won't use them but i do find it interesting that in this like digitizing world that we live in right now it seems to be like the younger generations that are being tailored for here and i'm just thinking like is our companies leapfrogging a demographic to sort of jump on the hype train that is crypto and I guess it is different because this is exclusively online payments. But I thought it'd be, and I believe the, the Yonder one was looking at more in-person payments, I think. But I thought it was just worth like raising this issue because after all, as we've discussed multiple times, and I think it's something that should continue to be discussed, is financial inclusion is one of the most important things there is. And if we are excluding a demographic, sure, you're going to be developing, but you're losing a part of your business and ultimately that isn't what you want and i think in order to keep customer retention everything and every every little minute detail needs to be uh, analyzed and i think if crypto isn't being used by a certain demographic especially i know a lot of over 65s use these different online retailers that will start that are looking to start offering crypto and i uh, 
I don't know. I just find it interesting. And I, I kind of want to throw it back to you guys and get your thoughts on, is this leapfrogging a demographic? I, I don't think so. Whether I've got the, the wrong idea from what you're saying, but I feel like just having a load of choice on the, um, on the checkout isn't going to be an issue like obviously you say over 65s aren't using crypto i don't think necessarily that's a reason for um businesses not to offer crypto at all um i think if i remember right back to that article it was very much over 65s are still using alternative payment methods and um online payment methods and all that jazz so i i think the point of having alternative payment methods at checkout is to just have as many as possible if it was a case of only using crypto, then I agree. Then I think we've got a financial inclusion issue there. But I think because of the interest in crypto, and like you say, it is mainly a hype drive. I think a lot of it is the hype. There is the perception, whether true or not true, that everyone's using crypto, everyone's interested in crypto, and everyone wants to pay by crypto, that kind of thing. I think that's probably where... Um, a lot of this interest is coming from. But there is a genuine interest there of people to pay with crypto. I remember I went on holiday ages ago and I to um, a couple of shops where I went on holiday in mid Wales were offering payments by crypto and these are like physical shops. So I think that desire and that drive is there for a lot of reasons, especially, you know, and when you think about now a lot of countries are looking into central bank digital currencies, that kind of thing, the, the need for crypto is there. But I don't think putting it on checkouts is going to exclude all the generations. I think it's, if anything, going to maybe encourage them to do it a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Did I did I understand your point, Francis, or have I completely like... No, you did. You did. Um, yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. I feel like the amount of companies that want to... That I think that was what it was, is that the amount of companies... Because I completely agree that the more choice that you have, the better. Like, if you have say six choices of payments compared to another place that offers the one the six choices of payments is always going to be the preferred option just for its flexibility but i don't know i think it was just the, the amount of companies i was it 49 percent um 59 uh it was 48 percent of businesses are looking to include crypto and i just found that like a really high number for a hype train and i I guess it won't exclude, but I feel like it might put people off almost. Like if they see something they don't really understand very well, then they might think, ah, oh, maybe I don't want to shop here. This is something I'm unfamiliar with. It might have the complete opposite effect and they'll say, ah, oh, this is something new. I want to try it. But I don't know. I thought it was just an interesting like point to say that it is the younger generations who are using crypto and it's definitely tailoring to them, I thought. But it's not to say that the older generations won't. Um use it I, I just thought it was interesting that's a very interesting point and one that i'm not disagreeing with but one that i just it's a very interesting viewpoint i don't necessarily think that seeing something that you don't understand will stop you using it or will stop you checking out i mean how many you know when you're going to check out and you see how do you want to pay do you want to pay by paypal do you want to pay by klarna do you want to pay by card you know i've never looked at one of those and gone oh no thank you <laughs> and then close the website um i do see what you mean though like a lot new stuff is scary but i think one of the things that we said again harking back to last week's podcast is that people aren't dumb and i don't think that seeing the word cryptocurrency on their you know marks and spencer online purchase or whatever that's a, probably a very sweeping generalization that's what over 65 people buy but i don't think that's gonna 
scare people? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know but like, imagine it like this. Imagine it like this. If you don't know Bitcoin, you don't have a clue what it is, and then someone comes up to you and it's the first payment option and it says paying by Bitcoin, and then underneath that, in like the small text, it says other payment options. But I don't ever think it'll be like that, though, because, I mean, look at a checkout now. It's all just very much, here's a list of everything you can use to buy. I don't know. I feel like some places definitely highlight one option if they want you to use it more. And because of crypto adoption, I feel like it would definitely be pushed forward. But like you said, they're, they're not dumb. They would definitely be able to use it. I guess it, it just... depends on the merchant. If it's like a really tech-savvy merchant, yeah. then maybe, yeah, I can see the pushing of crypto. But then on the same breath, I just, I I don't know. Not not yet, anyway. Cause not I don't know. I just found it interesting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I don't know. That's an interesting Tyler, what's your you've been very quiet. What what do you, what's your take on this? Hi guys. Yes. Um well I think yeah, I think I really agree with you, Polly. I, I think Francis that you raised some really interesting points about financial exclusion. But um I think, you know, when you take it down to the bare bones, I, I think these these technologies need to be introduced somewhere and they need to start somehow. Um Personally, I use almost exclusively contactless. Um, my I do have a crypto wallet, funnily enough, but I don't make enough money from my crypto to to be buying Lamborghinis or anything. I I think you know, in terms of payments, the more the merrier. Um, we we saw a couple of months ago that BitPay had been integrated with the website builder Wix. Um, to to facilitate crypto based payments, I think I I really agree that that the more the more options available, the better. It, it, the, the introduction of one option isn't necessarily going to push out another option. I, I think in terms of paytech and the most the the things that I'm most excited to see in the industry. For example, I was on I was on a bus the other day and I went past one of these new Amazon Fresh stores, which, you know, you can just pick up what you want. You want an avocado, a loaf of bread, a box of eggs, and you can just walk straight out. And uh, I, I think, you know, in very secular cases like that, you, you could argue that, yes, that would alienate people. But I think in general, you know, it's more about accommodating for what everybody's needs are. And I think that was sort of the baseline of, of the article that you were discussing, Polly. Yeah, I, I think it's very promising. I think it's very promising indeed. Cool. So anyway, moving on. Francis, why don't you uh, talk about your article? I'm going to pretend I was playing devil's advocate there. <laughs> um, so my article is also talking about alternative payment methods. Except this is compared to your article, Polly, which was looking online. This is more for paying in stores. And it's tapped to mobile. And it was an article on NMI's research on the rise of mobile payments in the US and UK, small uh, to medium businesses. So I thought the best thing and most important thing to establish is what is tapped to mobile. As when I first read this, I didn't really have a clue. I could sort of put two and two together. But it's essentially a technology solution that turns smartphones into payment acceptance devices. And why this is good is because a lot of small to medium businesses, as NMI's research found, they don't like the transaction costs that come with your traditional POS terminal. And it's something that cash only uh, businesses struggle with. And it may just be because 
having the technology itself and the transaction costs are just too high. So I wanted to rattle off a few of the stats that the payment enabler found. And the first of these is that of the 300 businesses surveyed, 95% across both the UK and US said they would be open to tap to mobile payment technology. And an even more interesting stat I find is that 83% of cost of consumers said they would likely use this if it was offered by businesses. And then another thing that I found very interesting was the, the amount of companies that actually offer some form of contactless or digital payment, essentially not cash. Because 34% of businesses in the US don't offer a contactless payment option compared to only 9% of UK SMBs. And I thought, found this stat very interesting because maybe it's because I'm based in the UK and everyone is always using contactless, but I was under the impression that it was something that was sort of a worldwide payment method. And I just found it interesting that 34% of US SMBs don't actually offer that. And then the reasons for this, as I mentioned before, are largely due to transaction fees from a credit card being used, for example, which is incidentally why Amazon has said to it's going to be banning Visa credit cards in the new year, but that's a whole other kettle of fish, and the prices that it costs to use the hardware. And using one's own phone, uh, an Android phone that they've had to make calls with all their friends, something that they're familiar with, would be much, much cheaper. And it means they don't need to learn something new. And I think another interesting thing that Jeremy Gumbly, the CSO and CIO at NMI found was that contactless um, payments are so big in the UK because they've been around for so much longer. Whereas in the US, it's only really been catalyzed as a result of the pandemic. So while this number is expected to change, of course, in the coming years, tap to mobile technology could really see a contactless boost, really, as more people see the positive use of it and is it worth it yes of course because as i said 83 percent of uh, customers would would use it and again that's customer retention it's like you just said polly in your article and what we've just been discussing is options options are always going to be something customers look for because flexibility whatever the need whatever they're looking for the more options they have the more likely they are to go back to someone because that will offer a better customer ex um, experience for them um and i found this the whole article interesting because it just shows that there is technology out there for smbs to really start themselves up without having to pay an excruciating amount to offer this flexibility and accessibility which as we all i'd like to think know is that those are in the whole point of fintechs, they are there to make things more accessible, more inclusive, easier, more seamless, probably just rattling off synonyms now, but that is what it's for. And I think that this tech can really be used in developing countries as well. And that's another great reason for it. In countries where phone access is possible, but fees might be too high, I feel like it's just another way for these small businesses in, in countries where it might be harder to get access to some contactless terminals it just gives that option and again it just raises the importance of financial inclusion so i wanted to get your guys's thoughts and if you agree disagree with what i've said really and what you think the future of tap to mobile is and what its potential is um Paul, i'll go to you first 
Yeah, I think tap to mobile is a really great solution and one that I hope will uh, continue uh, to get developed and be rolled out. Um, I think things like that are just so handy. I mean, you know, obviously the, um, what are they called? Those tiny little POS uh, systems you can get now uh, for small businesses are like so handy. And I've seen so many people use those, especially now with like Christmas markets and things like that. Small business who like to do market stalls and everyone wants to pay with card now because obviously pandemic, all that kind of jazz. So a lot of these people have these tiny little um, POS solutions that you can connect to your phone and you tap the card on the solution and it pings through your phone. So like you say, Francis, let's just get rid of the need for the hardware entirely and do it all on your phone. And I don't think people are going to be against that. I don't think people are going to be, you know, have any negative reaction to that. You can pay with your phone. So paying on a phone seems just like an, an, the next step in how to make payments. I think it's brilliant and I hope it carries on. Of course, and it's kind of reverting back to the point you made to me on your article is that offering options doesn't exclude anyone. If someone still wants to pay with cash, they can. It's just now businesses can offer a contactless option, which is just using their phone. And if people are using their phones to pay, like you said, why not have it for the business as well? So, yeah, I completely agree. Tyler, what are your thoughts? Well, I thought your article was very interesting, Francis. And uh, uh, of course, I think, you know, tap by, by phone is, is, a, is a really, really interesting form of technology. And, you know, I, I think it would remove a lot of barriers, especially for small businesses um, to accept payments. As, as Polly said, you know, you're paying by your phones. So why not be able to accept payments by your phone? I, I, I thought what how you explain the disparities between innovations within the UK market and the US market was really interesting and it showed sort of the different differing levels of maturity of the technology uh, and also the differing attitudes to it in, in, in each respective country. I, I think you know in terms of supporting uh, small businesses it's they, they really need all of the help that they can get and I think it it's very it almost opens accessibility and it goes back to this idea of that we've been discussing a lot in this podcast of being able to offer as many payment options as possible um and I think it, it resonates really nicely with with uh Polly's article that she discussed in in sort of uh adhering to customer demand and and what the trends are I think one of um my biggest concerns about it would be um, what are the cybersecurity features? Well, how are, how are the cybersecurity features on tap by phone uh, a, a d- different to a physical POS system? Um, and I, I think yeah, it's it's very it's very interesting, but it's it's a it's a good thing to see that it's slowly emerging within the market. Definitely, I agree on the cybersecurity front. Is that I feel I don't know why I've got this idea that a mobile phone that you use to like call your friends, family, have all your private messages on it to then be dealing with large sums of money for a business. I do get what you mean. It is interesting to sort of think about what cybersecurity measures will be put in place to ensure that it can't be abused um, in any way. So that brings us nicely onto our very last portion of the podcast, which is what we learned this week. Um, As we are all journalists in the fintech space, a lot of information and a lot of news crosses our desks every single day. Uh, So we always find ourselves learning something very new about the fintech industry. And so we thought we'd share that with you guys. Uh, So Tyler, I'm going to pick on you first. What have you learned this week? 
Well, thank you, Polly. You know, there's there's always a lot to learn uh, each week, and we're always finding out new topics. So yeah, what I learned this week is that we uh, were looking at how credit scores move internationally beyond borders, and this is in specifics to a recent partnership that has been formed between uh, American Express and Nova Credit, who have just launched a credit passport service for people from Brazil, the Dominican Republic, Kenya, and Nigeria. Uh, and it means that if if they emigrate, uh, oh, sorry, to mention that this was specifically going emigrating into the US. So from these countries, if you're moving into the US, you you exploit this partnership between American Express and Nova Credit, and you can take your credit history with you. So I thought that was very interesting. Perfect. Thank you, Tyler. Francis, what have you learned this week? I'm just so focused on payments this week. Um, <laughs> mine, my what I've learned in fintech this week is on cryptocurrencies and recovering after a crash. There was a massive crypto crash this week and not panicking and just sort of hodling as if you were my crypto has actually proven to be a good thing so i think that's what it is it's just staying calm under pressure a good lesson for all aspects of life not just crypto and payments i feel um and then just finally what i learned this week um i've been doing a lot of looking ahead to 2022 uh, we've got our view from the top series running on the fintech times at the moment it's always a good chance for a plug so please check that out on our website So we've been asking high-level executives what they think the next big thing in fintech is going to be. And what I've learned is that a lot of them think as-a-service offerings are really just going to be huge in 2022 um, and that it's just really going to kick off. It's already quite big now, but it's just going to completely explode. And that's all I'll give away on that. You'll have to check out the series to find out more predictions. Um, But thank you so much, guys, for joining me this week. It's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed it, Polly. Thank you, Polly. I really enjoyed our discussion. Cool. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the News and Views podcast by the Fintech Times. Don't miss next week's episode and continue the conversations using hashtag TFT News and Views and follow us at the Fintech Times.